Hi. Hi. So, um, what's this book about? You didn't read this one either? Well, I was gonna, but I uh, accidentally read something else. What? Vogue. I hated the book, all right? I have no idea what it's about, and the writer was clearly on drugs when he wrote it. I mean, it just, it went on and on and on like it was written in a total hurry. If I handed in something like this, there's no way I'd get a good grade on it. I mean, it's boring and it's unorganized. And I only read 30 pages of it anyway. Well, that was passionate, albeit entirely misinformed. Who dares follow Miss Kelly's lucid analysis? It's required reading. With Tom and Stella. Episode 82, Band Book Club by Kim Hyun Suk, Ko Hung Ju, and Ryan Estrada. Welcome to Required Reading with Tom and Stella. Podcast is brought to you by the Choo Choo Freaks Internet Radio Network. This podcast is all about books and literature, and each month we will take a thorough look at one piece of literature we have both read and determine whether it is worthy of its reputation. As always, I'm Tom Panneries, and here with me is my band book club partner in crime, Stella. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hello. Yes, I guess I am your old partner in crime. We've done a couple <laughs> band censored challenge books. Yes, we have. <laughs> we're not scared. No, not at all. So, yeah, we're we're coming. We're recording this right before the beginning of the school year. So, um, and both of us are uh, busy and very tired. So oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been it's been a it's been a week for sure. Yeah. So, well, but how are you? I think, uh, you know, it, it. I guess it depends on the day. Uh, you know, in the previous week, I visited, or I well, really, just this week, visited a friend, friend of the show, maybe, <laughs> uh, with Donovan, surprised Harry, and that was just, it was delightful. And Donovan said at one point, like, I haven't seen you like this in years, <laughs> and I think it was just like I was there. I didn't have to worry about schoolwork. I didn't have to worry about work work, and it was just like an unburdened Stella. It was just very freeing. And then I come back, and it's like immediately things I have to do, work, all of this stuff. So yeah, I guess it depends on the day, but. Um, I'm hopeful that, you know, this is kind of the last year that I'm in flux mm -hmm. and then, you know, fingers crossed have my degree and, and hopefully I can find a suitable job. So yeah, yeah there's, there's hope on the horizon. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was like me at the beach last week. I was just, I didn't have to worry about anything. And, and then I got back on Saturday and it's like, hey, remember your allergies? Hey, remember all the work you have to do? <laughs> it's just like, oh. So, yeah. yeah. So we, we started the work week this week. Students come back a week from today. So, yep. see how this goes. Yeah, fingers yeah. crossed for a good crop of young whippersnappers. Yeah. But at least now I know what I'm getting myself into. This is true. Because yeah. last year I was like, do, do, do. And I'm like, oh, public school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Welcome so. to the Thunderdome. I know. Seriously. Yeah. Speaking of school, we are doing a book that takes place mainly in a college. Mm -hmm. um, it is Band Book Club. Um, there are three authors, Kim and I apologize. I think I've got these um, names correctly in terms of the pronunciation. Kim Hinsook, who is the main character because it's autobiographical in a sense. Uh, some of it's fictionalized for the sake of protecting the identity of some of the other people in her life. So she is essentially the memoirist. Her co-writer is Ryan Estrada. And Ko Hung Ju is the artist. Understand? So I'm going to give some author bio information. I'm going to give a little bit of historical context as well. And just a little bit of the history of the book before I get into the plot. So uh, the author bios I have from, come from some, from some various sites. Uh, Kim Hyun Suks is from Goodreads. It says she was born in Changwon, South Korea. She became a member of a band book club in the 1980s while studying English literature and language and literature. She has co-written comics for websites including The Nib and Oh Joy Sex Toy, and she has translated Lady Rainicorn's dialogue for Adventure Time Comics. She now runs a new band book club in Busan where she lives with her husband and her cat dog baby. <laughs> Ryan Estrada and this is from his website, is an artist, author, and adventurer. His books include Band Book Club, Occulted, and the Student Ambassador series. He has worked for Star Trek, Popeye, Flash Gordon, and Garfield. He was a gator wrangler in America, an ambassador to Australia, an undocumented animator in Canada, a ghostbuster in South Korea, a Bollywood voiceover actor in India, wandered Kim Jong-il's secret tunnels to North Korea, slept on a bench in a typhoon in Japan, dug toilets in Thailand and did an accidental illegal border crossing into Burma, made road comics in Cambodia, Malaysia, Singapore, Laos, Vietnam, and the Philippines, documentaries in Colombia and Ecuador, and podcasts in Malaysia, ran with the bulls in Mexico, barely escaped being eaten alive by lions in Kenya, fainted atop Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, got caught in a Peruvian cocoa war, lived in a Costa Rican rainforest and a Panamanian volcano. <laughs> Um, I like how he accidentally crossed. I know. Well, I, 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 I'm like, is that just because of, uh, you know, um, what's it called, uh, the jungle or something? <laughs> so, uh, I, I did not find a lot of information about her. She is the illustrator, but I did not really find any bio or other works that she has done, other than the fact that she is connected to and is the illustrator for Band Book Club. So I'm going to get into the plot, but I wanted to provide a little bit of historical context before I did, because this takes place in the 80s in South Korea. And the historical context is what is called the Fifth Republic of South Korea. 
Um, and I want to read the summary from the beginning of the Wikipedia page so that when we go into the story, people can understand like what was going on in the country at the time and why it provides the drag backdrop and directly affects the events of the story that we read. So the Fifth Republic of South Korea was the government of South Korea starting in March of 1981 and ending in December of 1987. The Fifth Republic was established in March of 1981 by Chun Du Hwan, a military colleague of longtime president and dictator Park Chung-hee, after the political instability and military rule in the Fourth Republic since the assassination of Park in October of 1979. The Fifth Republic was ruled by Chun and the Democratic Justice Party as a de facto dictatorship and one-party state to extensively reform South Korea for democratization and dismantle the autocratic system of Park. The Fifth Republic faced growing opposition from the democratization movement of the Gwangju Uprising and the June Democracy Movement of 1987 resulted in the election of Ro Tae-woo in December 1987. The Fifth Republic was dissolved three days after the election upon the adoption of a new constitution that laid the foundations for the relatively stable democratic system of their current Sixth Republic of South Korea. So that's what we're, what's taking place in the country when the book uh, when the book takes place. The book itself was published in May of 2020 by Iron Circle Comics. It got um, quite a, a quite a good amount of good reviews. Um, it was a Junior Library Guild selection. It was a School Library Journal star reviewed. It says highly recommended for readers passionate about activism. It was a book list star review saying sure to inspire today's youthful generation of tenacious change makers. Publishers Weekly gave it a start review saying the messages of hope are universal. NPR called it a timely read about friendship amid chaos. The AV Club said it's hard to imagine a world where banned book club could be more relevant than it is right now. And it was named a 2021 great graphic novel for teens by Yalsa. And it was among 100 books that were pulled from shelves in Clay County, Florida, after some parent complaints in April 2023, a move that sparked outrage and controversy. Because let's ban the book called Banned Book Club. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so before I get into the plot, what uh, what is your history with, uh, with the book? I realized I should have asked that before i went into the background <laughs> i thought that was how our show yeah, went but then it I'm does not. and then I, I just i'm wrong no maybe i'm tired and just no that's I'm not functioning <laughs> but no wrong. so what is your history with this now that we've no, got yeah so this is my history this mm-hmm. is the first time i had heard of it and the first time that i have read it and it was apropos because of course i took a I say, of course, because I think I mentioned it on this show, but maybe I haven't. But I took a young adult literature course mm. this summer for for my degree as as an elective. And there was a book that we read called I Must Betray You, which mm-hmm. I chose, of course, because of the title. Oh, duh. And I know because <laughs> there was another option that week. And I sent the recommendation via Goodreads to Tom and Tom and I had texted him because I thought he probably doesn't think that this is legit. And he said, like, I thought it was a joke, but I actually think he should read that. But anyways, that takes place in Romania in 1989. And there's like, you know, this heightened sense of paranoia that that kind of goes through everything. And like, what are you reading? What what sort of materials you have? Who are you talking to? All that stuff. And so this very much 
felt similar, obviously a different time period. Very close though, because this was late 80s as well, mm-hmm. right? Or early 80s. Mid to late 80s, yeah. Yeah. And so similar sense of paranoia as well. So they very much complemented each other. And it's something that I want to email my professor about. Um, so first time I'm reading it, but I thought it was great not only to go along with the course overall of young adult literature that's speaking mm-hmm. on themes, but then it is just a great compliment, I think, to that particular novel, which I do recommend people look mm. up. Yeah, and I think I co- I covered the overthrow of Ceausescu in either episode two or three of the Fallen Walls Open Curtains miniseries that I did over a pop culture episode. Okay. Because that story is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that he got like brought down by his helicopter pilot, who's like, I am not going to betray my country for this. It was just like, it was just one of those things. A revolution in Romania is just like one heck of a story. Yeah. Um, Cause it was one of the few in that region that was violent. Most of them were uh, mm-hmm. violent. Um, and I know for that course, you also read, uh, was it almost all American girl? I think it was called. Yes. Yeah. Which is about a Korean American person and, and her adjustment to. Um, so it was like an immigrant story uh but this is interesting at least because this takes place entirely in korea as opposed to like you know where she goes to the united states the united states eventually goes back at one point you know yeah that sort of thing so definitely different location different uh people group or demographic and then in own voices book yeah before i get into the plot synopsis i took the same course uh the curriculum was slightly different because the own voices we need to diverse books movements were not as strong back in 2016 as they were now Uh, but i still love it's one of my favorite courses from grad school i loved what i read i loved all the different things we read what did you think of that young adult literature course for for graduate school yeah, I loved it. I, I think a special could be had on this very podcast about hashtag own voices because mm-hmm. I think there are positive and negatives that come along with that. But it was great. Just the survey of literature and also. Well, it's obviously the the professor gets to choose their own litany of books and yeah. so uh, there are so many that that she could have chosen really she chose double the amount because each week you had a choice of what you were reading and both of them complemented each other either they were some more demographics or um authors or stories or themes mm-hmm. one week everyone had to read stamped but overall, yeah, I mean, I encountered books that I think maybe I would have found at one point or another, but I just uh, am so happy that I got to read all these books. I think there's just one book that I didn't care for because mm. I didn't think that it was well written, but there's so many that I just really like the poet X was my favorite. Oh, that book is course. so good. Yeah. So awesome. And like finally different authors and things and then at the very end we did a course audit which was insane i have to say or a Mm -hmm. a young adult diversity audit where you're supposed to go somewhere either your home a classroom i went to the bookstore that that tom and i have that that, at the downtown mall Mm -hmm. and survey you know their their shelf basically and look at the characters within these novels and and how they identify in terms of gender race orientation that sort of thing are they abled or disabled and then also the authors and to kind of see 
how it's gotten better. So you could see like mod, we're, we're doing a lot better. Let's just say that because, you know, way back when, like when we're talking Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys, it was mostly yeah. like white, mostly oh, yeah. men. But now I feel like we're actually tending more female, but um, having more queer stories and uh, mm-hmm. more people of color stories has been great but definitely the indigenous population is suffering in all in all senses of that word but suffering in terms of authorship as well as stories and then not many uh differently abled stories as well Mm -hmm. so i think that also gave me an idea because going into it like i I don't know that i could tell you i think i would just broadly say oh it's gotten better but now i have like conclusive data to say you know where where those lean so i learned a great deal from it and it was because it was a summer course, as you know, Tom, uh, you know, you're <laughs> condensing like 13 yeah. or 15 weeks in half. So we were pounding it out. So it was two books a week. And I feel like my speed is like 1.5 books a week. But it was just like get once I finished one, just kept on pushing, especially because yeah. one of the books we had Firekeeper's Daughter was 500 pages. And I yeah. knew that was coming. So I was trying to create space for yeah. that. But I'm glad I love to read because anyone mm-hmm. who doesn't like to read, number one, I don't know why you're taking that course, but number two, <laughs> I think that would be so painful. But yeah, yeah it was just uh, so, um, yeah, it was invigorating and just really edifying. Yeah, Fire Keeper's Daughter, though, was a quick 500 pages for me when I read it. Yes. Um, it is I- It is nice to see other Native Indigenous authors than Sherman Alexi, too. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yes. So. Because you can't just lean back on him. And mm-hmm. I think even more so when, yeah, I mean, he's like, yeah, a there's a whole character. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Well, I've done the background. <laughs> my back to the scheduled program. Yeah. My, my background with this book was um, I saw the solicited in previews and it looked interesting and I ordered it. And so I bought it when it came out my through my uh, through my oh, LCS. Okay. And then um, it was part of a reading project uh, for professional development uh, about a year after that or so. And um, and yes, yeah, so it's been sitting on my shelves for at least a couple of years now. So. Okay. All now right. you're putting it to good use. Yes. So here is our plot synopsis. Band Book Club is a fictionalized graphic novel memoir from the college years of Kim Hyun Suk. And I want to make sure that I mention the fictionalized aspect of it because Suk changed some uh, uh, Hyun Suk just changed some defining characters and events and people in order to protect identities. So it's 1983 in South Korea. Hyun Suk is arguing with her mother over attending college away from home. Her mother doesn't want her to go. And she, in fact, applied to college behind her mother's back. Uh, Mom wants to stay at home, especially since Hyun's parents are uh, trying to run a steakhouse and they need her help. Uh, Also, mom's very wary of protesters who seem to be all over college campuses. Um, And I get the impression that the amount of protesting going on, at least at this college campus, is like going to like Columbia or Berkeley or something in the 60s. It's that ubiquitous. Uh, But she goes to Anjan University anyway, where she immediately runs into protest that's being driven away by tear gas. Uh, She makes it to class late where a lecturer is decrying the protesters. She also meets another professor who's very young and good looking and winds up being one of the more friendly faculty members that she will encounter as she begins school. Pay attention to that. It will be important later. 
Hyun joins the masked folk dance team, which performs costume dances and plays that are hundreds of years old. During one performance, they are interrupted by protesters. She's horrified and then becomes even more horrified when she finds out that the dance is actually political. But this does lead her to getting an invite to the book club. She shows up bringing her copy of the Stagarla letter and we meet our principal characters. I'm going to quote directly from the book because on pages 28 and 29, the author gives a great description of them as sort of a dramatis personae because there's six main people in this book club. There is Hyun Suk, who is a freshman English language and literature major. Her extracurriculars are undecided. There is Hoon, Hoon, sorry, Hoon, who is reading The Motorcycle Diaries by Che Guevara. He is a sophomore. His major is law. His extracurriculars is that he is the editor of the school newspaper, and he is on the mask dance team. There is Uni, who is in the middle of counter-revolutionary violence, bloodbaths, in fact, and propaganda by Noam Chomsky. Uh, she's a senior. She's studying psychology, and her extracurriculars are women's student council president and the mass dance team. Gundo is reading Pedagogy of the Oppressed by pa- Paolo Freire. Freire? God, I'm terrible. Um, and he is a senior studying economics. His extracurriculars include working undercover part-time in a factory to start a whisper campaign about unions. And then there is Suji, who is reading The Feminine Mystique by Betty Frieden. She is a junior. She is studying mathematics. Her extracurriculars include being the vice chair of the Angian Feminist Association, and she loves punching cops. I will and just f- correct you and say it's Fridan. 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 Oh, sorry, yeah, Fridan. Fridan. Okay, Fridan. That's the only one that I knew. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I need to do a better job at like looking these things up before I put them in the, in the doc. Uh, and finally, Jihu, who is reading Cry of the People and Other Poems by Kim Ji-ha. Um, and he is a sophomore studying creative writing, and his extracurriculars are Poetry Club and the Pacifist Coalition. So, and quickly finds out that the book club is, as the title of our graphic novel states, a banned book club. Students read banned books and subversive books and also plan their protests. She gets uncomfortable and she wants to leave, especially since Hoon, who invited her to the club in the first place, never told her about the banned books part. Before she leaves, Uni stops her and tells her that she has some waking up to do. This lecture, this waking up begins by via a lecture in her literature class taught by hot professor, and he encourages the class to open their minds some more and takes the first step toward procuring a banned book and then shows up to another banned book club meeting. Hoon is not there, though. He's been detained and beaten by Agent. Now, I want to say it's Agent Ock, but I kept just calling him Agent OK. That's what I thought it was. So I'm just going to call him Agent OK. Yeah. Because it is spelled OK. So um, who is trying to infiltrate the protest movement and the club. Hoon gets it released. He lead, he heads to the steakhouse and then gives Hoon a uh, history lesson about the Guangzhou incident. Uh, this po- The popular conception in the society is that it was an effort by North Korean spies to overthrow the government, but Hoon reveals that it was a coup within South Korea by a political element that set up a dictatorship. Hoon becomes more and more involved with the protest movement, including the student newspaper, which has been used as a base slash production facility for their flyers and other in- 
information. At one point, they're making multiple copies of the Communist Manifesto. The writers and editor of the newspaper also do their best to print subversive material, despite the paper being repeatedly censored by authorities. She, there's one scene where like he's bringing the the like the final draft of the newspaper to the like he's basically a government agent. The government is going cut this, cut this, mm-hmm, cut this, mm-hmm. cut this. Um, so uh, she keeps reading. The group meets in various places, especially since their most recent meeting uh, was broken up by the police. One such meeting is in a park where they stay so long that they miss the last bus back to town and they have to stay overnight and they sleep in rowboats that you can rent and row around the lake. This is a funny sequence. It involves um, the hugging boat and the no hugging boat. Oh, yes. Um, I don't know if you would you be in the hugging boat or would you be in the One of them wanted to be in the hugging boat. Um, To be, I get, listen, I get hot when I sleep. So I don't, oh, three people were in the hugging boat, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, well, when, I guess, was it cold? Yeah, yeah, I think it was cold. Well, the other thing was like, it was like, she or somebody went in the no hugging boat. And, and He wanted to be in the hugging boat. And then he, uh, so wasn't he like somebody hugging on him? He's like, this is oh, the no hugging oh, boat. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, the guy who wanted to be in the hugging boat, but was first. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I guess as long as I weren't in the middle. Like, if yeah. I were on the edge, I'd be fine so that I was yeah. only touching or being touched. Maybe I yeah. prefer to just touch. So I'd be the big spoon, the biggest. There you go. <laughs> Other training, in addition to disseminating the protest literature, involves making Molotov cocktails. Wah, wah. A human eventually becomes the movement's head of PR. Ji Hu reads increasingly subversive materials, including things written and published in North Korea. He gets caught by Agent OK, who tortures him for a really long time. Uh, meanwhile, Hyun continues her protest work, and we see that Hoon is a little smitten with her, although he's more uh, devoted to the cause than love. So he rejects her. But Professor Hot Guy meets for, with her for coffee and propositions her. She turns around and storms out. Agent OK actually has a mole in the group. Uh, he's the kid's not in the band book club. He is in the dance troupe, the the mass dance theater, and it's this small kid who really doesn't. He's kind of always in the background. He doesn't really say anything, so he's just kind of like there. Um, but he's useless as a mole because none of them have let them into let him into their inner circle. Yeah. So they, they only only knows so much. Suji's house is searched by the police, and after that, her mom kicks her out. Jihoo doesn't give up any information to Agent OK, but he they do find the North Korean book in his possession because he had been using a cover of another book, like a dust jacket, and the dust it slipped out of the dust jacket. So he's sent to prison. After all this happens, Hoon decides to disband the banned book club because it's gotten too dangerous and too many people have gotten in trouble, much to the chagrin of some of the other members. So back at home, Hyun still argues with her mother, but she, she bonds with her father when he tells her the history of their steakhouse. He had got a like soul at one point, um, eaten into like an American style steakhouse. He was like, this is brilliant. He brought it back to um, the hometown. The people were like, what is this? He knew it was a huge risk. He hired some guy who reportedly was a really famous chef, but the guy was like a huge grifter and made off with a ton of their money. So now the two of them just kind of run that restaurant themselves. Uh, so like, he's basically like, I want you to follow your dreams. And he, you know, he's been giving her money and stuff, mm-hmm. but then agent. Okay. Calls the house. Um, Hyun answers the phone. He wants to question her. 
she doesn't want him to come to the steakhouse because she fears retribution from her parents because her parents don't know that she's part of this protest movement. So she meets at a coffee shop with him. When they do, he offers her protection. He basically tries to get her to cut a deal, to be a mole, to rat out her friends. So she calls his bluff and she starts ranting about Professor Hot Guy and about how Hoon won't make a move on her and about how college is full of so much pressure. And he, she's gone on and on and on. And this flusters and Agent Oki gets flabbergasted. So he just leaves her alone. So it works. When she returns home, her mother has found some of her subversive uh, flyers and stuff. Uh, but she's not as mad as we would think she would be. The family ends up making up. Hoon goes to the student newspaper and sees his production in order to help free Ji-Hoon because Ji-Hoo has been sent to prison. Hyun brings some stuff to Uni and learns how Uni became involved with the club. Uh, she, as a freshman, had protested for true democracy in the college's student council because it was basically like a boys' club and, you know, she was trying to get in and it wasn't fair, et cetera, et cetera. But then she was taken into questioning and instead of just being beaten up like Hoon and Ji-Ho, it's, uh, it's implied or not really lightly implied that she was raped while she was being questioned and interrogated back on campus the college president and professor maui that's the name of uh i think that's the name of professor hot guy try to stop hoon from distributing the student newspaper hoon encounters some of the other students who put her down so she's like they're like what is your problem you know like the kind of the same thing she was doing to the protesters back at the beginning of the year she lectures them about waking up so we've come Full circle. Uh, Suji finally gets to punch Agent OK and kicks him very far. It's one of my favorite scenes, panels in the book. And they rescue Hoon. Uh, the others find Agent OK's mole. They trap him in a locker. Yuni talks to the kid, shows compassion, and lets him go. The protest is Free Jihu, and it translation transitions from Free Jihu to protesting the president and then transitions to a protest in 2016 when the group reunites. This is including Jihu, who they haven't seen since then because he'd been in prison and he was like, I now advocate for prisoners' rights. So, um, and he, he, because he found like a bunch of other subversive people in prison and they all kind of got together as a subversive prison club. Hyun has become a teacher and she closes the book. She gives a she gives a speech because um, Uni asked her, if you had the chance to teach your younger, younger self, how would you explain to her that 33 years later, we'd still be out here protesting? And she says, I tell her that things get better, that sometimes people forget the past. The villains of the past are never really gone. Now we have another President Park blacklisting authors, journalists, and filmmakers and trying to ban the textbook that criticized her father's regime. But this time, when the people rose up, it was not in the shadows, not just behind closed doors. And not just a handful of them, it was everyone. Students, adults, families, the rich, the poor, the troublemakers, the police, and the politicians all marching together. Millions of people took to the streets in every city in the country every weekend for months. People don't get that organized unless someone someone is stubborn enough to fight for what's right, even when no one's listening. I tell her to look for the truth, to figure out what she believes, to stand up for it. And that she's not alone. And we finish with, in March 2017, President Park Hyun Hee was impeached, removed from office in prison for corruption. The final vote was struck down by her own judges, mainly many of whom she had personally placed in office. A special election was held, and the new president was President Moon Jae-in. 
that's the story I wanted to finish by reading her speech um, at the end. And I can uh, see why fascist Florida uh, banned this. Um, so, Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, as you read this, which I'm not sure if this is one of your parts, but mm. it is it's quite relevant to the U.S. of today and yeah. really the U.S., I would say throughout time, but like, let's just say like living memory mm -hmm. um, and just thinking about leadership and yeah, that we do progress, but yeah, there are still kind of villains lurking and everything. And so I, I it's interesting to know because there's nothing bad that happens. Like, I don't know if you've read new kid, but I was flummoxed that that was challenged and literally there's nothing bad in there. I've so seen it's it on like, the shelf, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah, I, I recommend that as well. Mm -hmm. But it's just like the most innocent PG of tales. And it's like, how'd you find this? But that's more like fear. It's fear mm -hmm. of like, oh, they're talking about this. And then I think it's like this guilty conscience of, you know, you're doing something wrong <laughs> because you see yourself in this story and you actually need to emulate the villains of the story. That's nuts. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Um, before we do, though, uh, just really quickly, uh, did you like the book? I did really like it. I wasn't sure what I thought. At first, I thought, is this on the nose? Why has Tom chosen this when we literally just did a special on banned books? That was part um, of the reason why I was like, oh, yeah, this will this will work as a, a follow up. Yeah, yeah. He he was uh, very kind and wait, wait, waited for me to see if I could find them in the library without having to purchase, which I did. So immediately mm -hmm. got it and read. I think I read it in maybe two sittings. It definitely okay. could have been done in one, but I think I was just taking time. But no, I really liked it. I liked the art style and the story. And there are some moments that. I definitely, I mean, the lead character is, I find her very cute. Um, mm -hmm. Her innocence makes me laugh a couple of times just because I would totally be in there like cocktails. What sort of cocktails are these? Like, did they not tell you they were mall talk cocktails? cocktails? And then when she, yeah. And then when she, as you said, with Agent OK at the very end, like just goes on and on about, basically being harassed by that teacher and is able to make that man so uncomfortable that the agent is like, yeah, she knows nothing. That was both a hilarious as well as really scary moment because you don't know what's going to happen to her. And I think it's also very poignant to show how much she has grown because our character at the beginning would not have been able to do that. She would yeah. not have been able to not really lie, but kind of lie to that agent. So, yes, I think the fact that the main character is so likable um, made me like it even more. And and again, the messaging is very powerful. And I appreciate learning about a different place, uh, time and people group. Yeah, this is like I said, I got this when it came out and this is the second or third time I've read it. Um, and I, I've enjoyed it each time, you know, more and more. It's uh, I really do like the art style. It's reminiscent of manga. Um, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, mm -hmm. just on a, you know, um, and uh, I mean, it's a quick read too. Mm -hmm. I think I read for this episode. I think I read it in in a day. I mean, in in like an afternoon. Um, and uh, it that works for me really well because it's aimed at a younger audience. So, um, that the art style appeals to them um 
because there are still a lot of manga fans out there and 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 things and uh it but it also provides a history lesson and things uh and and i'm with you i really liked the main character um and i liked her progression over the course of the story because she comes in as a in as a naive um you know, kid really who just wants to go to college and get an education. And even at the beginning, she's like really annoyed at the protesters and then eventually does wake up and, and turns around at the end and she's giving that speech and, and all these things. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's the author's own story, but I think it also works as like a stand in for the reader. So like we're with her the whole way, because there might not be, a lot of activists reading the book, there might be kids who are very much like her at the beginning of the book. And over the course, we see that progression. We see that journey. So we're kind of along for the ride with her as sort of in her place or she's in our place as well. And I thought that was done very, I mean, it was her own story, but I thought it was done and told very, very skillfully. And they really made her, made her likable. But I liked your point about how it is relevant to today in our country where we're seeing this, um, you know, I, I was just doing a training uh, or training a professional development meeting, whatever we want to call it about the state's new policy about um, uh, requiring parental notification or, or, or opt-in on certain books, but they all have to do with what they call like graphic sexual content, you know, uh, nothing that we have to notify any about regarding political content. Um, the paranoiac in me says that's next, you know, because you're mm -hmm. right. Th this, this book really does hit upon the idea that you should stand up for your rights and democracy. And you're like, so you're banning a book that's telling you to stand up for your rights and fight for democracy in the United States. <laughs> like you appreciate the irony here yeah um so and i guess like the question is like the american principles of democracy and things seem to be alluring for the characters even if they're not completely i mean are, are do you think they have a healthy view of what that looks like as far as the united states or, or ideals are concerned are they romanticizing them is this showing the goodness of not to center us as Americans, but is it showing the goodness of our ideals in a sense, uh, even if he is copying the communist manifesto at times? Yeah, it's interesting because even in your survey of the characters and even what they read, I know that they, it's not just the U S that they're reading, but they're certainly reading mm -hmm. other revolutionaries too. Um, I, you know, we, we are told in a negative way that comparison destroys contentment, right? When you're comparing yourself to others, it's just gonna, you're just gonna rack yourself with anxiety. And this is usually negative. But in this way, I think comparison to these other nations, and maybe in particular, the US, destroys yeah their status quo and their contentment but for good mm -hmm. <laughs> where they see that yeah there are more freedoms over there and and they're not living in this police state there isn't paranoia people aren't reporting on other people they're not getting beaten by the 
but by the police, of course, it depends on uh, who you are in the States, whether that's true or not. Yeah. But I think that that is that is great. I mean, it's not necessarily we don't often think I think you and I often think about the the negative things that are going on in the U.S. But if you take yourself away, which is, I think, often when we do the hashtag first world problems, when like someone's complaining about something that's like no one else has this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, then that's sort of something that you can see that, yeah, we have kind of surface level problems, but we'll get these other nations at other times. And so to a certain extent, yes, but I, I would also hazard to say that these students at that time don't think that it's a perfect, quote unquote, a perfect union. Mm. I think they would also see the flaws in that, which is why they read widely. They're not yeah. just reading from the U.S., but other um, revolutionaries and thinkers. And I think perhaps that those are the best activists that are kind of taking pieces of um, each and formulating their own ideals or manifesto manifesto to create like the best or as, as perfect as they can, um, which is kind of what I, what I see here. But yeah, to a certain extent, there might be some romantic, romanticization yeah which isn't which is interesting because when you leave like basically the eastern world i always feel like when we go from like middle east over Mm -hmm. um seems to look down upon the u.s so this is actually a different viewpoint in my opinion than we would normally encounter because I feel like very much people that are not in the West, wherever that delineation is, uh, mm. don't think very highly of Americans. Actually, if I'm being honest, Europe over, <laughs> I think there's a lot of criticism. So this is this is actually something different that I'm I'm not used to seeing. I wonder if it has to do with the fact that the United States has had a consistent military presence in some regard as a peacekeeping force in South Korea since the end of the Korean War. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we we have they are they are one of our stronger Asian allies. Um, And, uh, you know, at the 30th parallel that, you know, they have their own army and everything, but we certainly have bases there and things like that. So I wonder if that has affected their view in that there's a not that we should be viewed as protectors of democracy, but maybe there that's where some of the positive light comes. Um, But, yeah, I think you're right with the reading widely. I mean, Boone reading Che Guevara. I I laugh because Che um how many dorm rooms in the 90s had the che poster you know like yeah Yeah, yeah. so but i mean for him so it's been a bit bit of a cliche for a quote revolutionary in college to be reading Che, che and i've never read the motorcycle diaries myself but i would imagine though that hoon strikes me as the type of character who actually is sincere and not just posturing to look cool as a protester by reading, you know, that he's not like he actually is reading it for the sake of, because he even, um, he even turns, he kind of rejects Hune. He rejects her um, because he's too devoted to the cause. He just no time for, he doesn't have any time for love or anything like that. Um, What I found interesting too, is that they, at one point is, is the way that the society is portrayed because at a glance, 
like at the beginning of the story and everything before we get to the protest, before we get to college, we don't get the sense that they're feeling oppressed. And um, somebody makes a comment how they just keep making more entertainment to keep the the masses mollified and stuff. And um, we don't get a lot of that through stories where the government is dictatorial. You know, we get a lot of what you were describing earlier, the informing on people, the taking people Mm -hmm. away in the middle of the night. And that does happen in here. But we are always led to believe, and I think it's because of our because of our um, dystopian literatures that the impression is uh, that there's an oppression of ideas and people so severe that everybody is suffering. And yet this seemed to be that the opposite, that they were actually making people feel good so that they would uh, not protest. Am I, am I inaccurate of my assessment? Cause I, I thought, I thought that was very interesting that, that nobody else aside from the college students really thought it was a big deal. Yeah, no, that was, it was interesting. Like it was a weird, did you use the word mass programming? No, but it is kind of like that. It yeah. felt like that. It, it, it was almost like the generation prior, which was basically the parents. Mm-hmm were just utterly defeated that there was an attempt made maybe and then it just did not work out and then it was just like this is the way it is we can't change it and it was um which is what you know this this, (laughs) again (laughs) with you know with america just like we always kind of push it off on the next generation like well our generation failed but it's up to them you know for climate change and and gun control it's on you um miss gonzalez i forgot your first name um but yeah no that was very interesting but but um the government i think it's also just shows like how well the government um the leader and and the police did their job like that they put a stop to this and people bought everything as well and i think that moment of realization for the parents because i think the news Mm-hmm. Oh, what was it? The, uh, the mother found the shredded news item. Yes, I think. Yeah. In the in the trash can. And then it was kind of this realization, almost as if they were in the Matrix and they woke up mm-hmm. and they realized all of this. So I, it was potentially defeat. Um, and I think maybe they just kind of like willingly forgot about it um, because maybe it was just too painful to like be outside of the matrix they're like i'll just i'll just mm-hmm. eat that steak and pretend that it's real so it it was very interesting it's also very frightening that that you know is something that could happen and has happened yeah um referencing another work of literature this is very there's a uh taking a little more more to extreme the fahrenheit 451 character of mildred who is so, like so many other people just kind of glued to the television and dumbed down and and that sort of thing where they they've successfully de-educated everybody you know um and and control the populace through that as opposed to you know beatings and oppression but they still do the th- mm-hmm. things like that um it also kind of reminded me maybe i'm you correct me if i'm if i'm off base because you are the classic scholar among the two of us <laughs> um, it reminded me of bread and circuses oh, a little sure. bit, right? Um, because that was one of my first impressions too. But yeah, I find that um 
I find I find the whole thing fairly interesting, and I and I can see how in a country like the modern day United States or the contemporary United States, how if you have a group who is trying to take a a significant amount of control that they would rather make permanent instead of following our democratic ideals and processes um, that they would start to try to systematically eliminate any form of entertainment that is that pushes back against them you know so a book like this which is all about you know which has a message about being active and paying attention and pointing out the wrongs in your own society because it starts with a small group and it can lead to a massive uprising right you know and we've seen that on different in different scales in this country you know um yeah. successful and not successful we've seen it through the civil rights movement we've seen it through the anti-vietnam war movement we saw it through occupy wall street um to varying degrees of success so I can see why somebody would come in and think this was a bad book because it's going to indoctrinate children to want to stand up for their rights. Would I have two questions for you. Sure. First question, do you feel like, because you said bread and circuses, mm-hmm. do you feel like these people were mostly happy, though, in this state? Uh, or did they think that they were happy? I want to say that I agree with you that a certain amount of the populace felt defeated and kind of gave up. Um, I think some were simply complacent and then there probably were somebody who were happy. Okay. But there was a certain amount of inaction. So yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, no worry about it. Do you feel like her parents were happy? I intent maybe don't too strong a word. I think the thing with them is that, they were so hyper-focused on the business that they were going to just do their best to ignore politics. Because her mother, I don't think when her mother's like, you know, the protesters and everything, I don't think her mother is like supportive of the president in that sort of way. I think she's more concerned with the safety of her daughter as just tired of the protesting and the politics and things like that, especially since her and the father are desperately trying to make sure that the steakhouse stays open because nobody goes there. Yeah. You know? And um, so I, I think her parents are just kind of like too focused on what they're doing and are just kind of like have no time for politics, which is also another thing that often happens. It even happens in our society now, you know, yeah. we don't talk about politics. And that sort of thing. So yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't think I think they. That's I think that's why they come around to her at the end too, where they they realize what's been going on. They like kind of maybe had it in the back of their minds, but they were just trying to ignore it as best they could. They had more pressing matters, and that's why they were uh, supportive of her at the end. Yeah. My second question is: Do you yeah. think that forming a book club of this nature is a form of activism? in and of itself just speaking of ideals yes 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 i think it's a good first step yeah because because you're getting the ideas out there you're you're 
it'll lead to conversations. Um, so it like if it stops there, I don't know if it's necessarily going to end up being in the long run a good form of activism, but this gets the ball rolling for a lot right. of people and yeah. um and it is subversive and it is it is a bit of activism, yes. So um the and I, I always found I found the interesting like so she's invited big after the protest the the protest dance where she's like wait this is a protest yeah what do you think the word that they they're the the creature they're hunt, hunting actually means politicians <laughs> it's like yeah. nine hundred years ago it was like let's protest the government and that speaks to her speech at the end where it just comes back around and people. Well, there will always be a need to protest and there will always be a need to push back against your government because generations change and we have to be reminded of what came before that was awful that we fought against and defeated. Yeah. You know, whether it be this, uh, the Fifth Republic of South Korea and their, or the Fourth Republic and whatever, you know, and they're, uh, they're protesting the daughter of the president, ex-president and stuff, or whether it be Nazi Germany, you know, like, you know, think about why we always say never forget for certain things. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the characters. Um, you have, uh, we talked a little bit about our main character, but let's talk about a couple of the supporting characters. Um, some of whom have very funny moments. Others, they're very serious uh i think out of you have hoon who is kind of like protest boyfriend is very sincere i thought he was a likable character um i didn't see like i I wasn't shipping the two of them well i could see that that was well i I could see that that was going to happen but like when he when he was basically like i like you but you know I have to choose the cause over the girl, so sure. to speak. I wasn't surprised. Yeah. What about you? It's It was certainly on track for a romance novel. <laughs> when he did that, I was like, okay, so this is the conflict, and then I'm sure they'll get back together. But in the end, they weren't together together. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I suppose so. I mean, everyone is super serious, and our, our, our lead, I think, gets serious, but I don't know that she... Um, was at that point and I mean she was you know just a young girl growing up and figuring things out like she didn't know it was funny that whole conversation about you know he always asks me to like do these things but they're code for something else and then like what's code for going to the park and then the other two girls laugh and say it's a date (laughs) Um, (laughs) which was really funny so yeah no I could see it but it's also like I don't know, because I'm looking at these images and they look like children, even though we know that they're young adults. Yeah. And to see like a little rascal or something say like, I've got an important mission to do is a bit laughable. Mm-hmm. So in that case, I think the 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 pictures and the words don't go together. And it does make him seem like he's um a bit uh not entitled what's the word you use to describe elio um pretentious pretentious yeah 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 he he does come off as a stereotypical like uh, i'm he's hot because he's a protester type of guy who like i'm enamored by this mature thoughtful boy you know that sort of thing um and she eventually sees you know that i think 
I don't think it shatters anything in her because he doesn't he doesn't betray her in any way. Um, I think it's like you see a real uh, I don't like it. You know, you don't like people that get tortured, but he's beaten pretty badly and he's held in prison for a little while, a few days um, in jail and, and Agent OK interrogates him. And at one point, like he hadn't eaten, he throws some coffee or soup or something at him and throws on the floor and he shoves his face to him and say, like, basically, like, eat it. Um, so he, and he never, he never once sells out his companions. So I think you see a really respectable, strong character in him as Mm -hmm. opposed to where that could have gone, where he's like the alluring protester guy. And it turns out he's just the, the skis, you know, um, or or as a mole, you know, or just something that be- makes her disillusioned. And um, no, I, I like the fact that he was as much as sincere and, and actually a, a true activist. Whereas Professor Hot Guy, like I called that he was going to try to sleep with her the moment he appears. Oh, I did it. Well, that when that happened, um, I thought, oh gosh, this is like a um, a reverse harem. Anime mm-hmm. that I'm now reading, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I thought when I first saw him, I guess you were more in tune with this than I was. But when I first saw him, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be that really supportive teacher, um, kind of like Robin Williams or something, or yeah. um, in that other film, that Dead Poets Society." That. Yes, and like you know, it's, it's going to be yeah. great, and maybe oh, he'll yeah. help them out, and then. Then once he started following her, I was really skeeved out because I thought it's either one, he's trying to report on her and then he's talking about the hotel. I'm like, what is going on? Uh, so you were quicker on the update yeah. than I was. I I was hopeful for his intentions because it started off so positive. I was like, oh, he's a good teacher and this would be great. But it wasn't. I um, I did think that the authors did a good job of making it seem like he might be also part of the movement right like that he's and and then kind of did that little zig into the like no he's trying to get her in bed which is just skeevy and then at the end when hoon's got all the newspapers and they're all trying to distribute the newspaper he actually goes after him to try to stop him from doing it on order so i think the college president so um he isn't i don't think he's uh I don't think in that in that case he's uh, working with the cops, so to speak. I think he is just you can tell that he is just maintaining the authority figure, the status quo and stuff like that. And, you know, um, if he was anything like we thought he was at the beginning, he would have turned around and said, no, I'm going to let them protest. You know, <laughs> so he did. not yeah. And that was a little bit. Of, it's just a small moment, but it's disappointing uh, for a character that you were already disappointed by. Um but we got some other ones. Um, I think my favorite out of the six of them, who, sorry, out of the other five, you know, our main character being the sixth, was Uni. Um, first of all, I love the way she's drawn because she's got like, Is it she's a, she's a, sorry. What page is that on so I can follow along? <laughs> what am I looking at? The <laughs> the character breakdown. 28 and 29. Thank you. Okay, go back to what you're yeah, saying. She's I just got it. this, like, so she's a senior, so she is drawn a little older, and she's got this kind of slightly hardened, cynical, sly look on her face all the time, and she's got some really just good kind of one-liners and 
um, dialogue and things. And I, I really liked her character as the, um, she is an older sister in a sense, uh, mm-hmm. but she is also like challenging her all the time. And yeah. uh, her, her story where she reveals her sort of origin is really sad because, you know, oh, she yeah. goes there, she's really just protesting um, like why, you know, the election of student council was corrupt. This is BS. I'm going to stand up for it. And that eventually leads her and and she's raped and it's nothing is depicted. It's not even said out loud. She says something to the extent of like, there are just worse things they do to women um, in, uh, in jail than, uh, than what they do to the boys. Yeah, wasn't it, it in response to the reason why she joined the club? Yes. Because she wouldn't she didn't say it around the boys. She said it's my own personal reasons, but she did tell. Yeah, she and she and uh, Hyun have a private conversation. Right. Um which also I think is a really really good uh really good thing too. So like it shows that those two characters have bonded because at the beginning of the book they're kind of they're not like adversarial or anything but like you know she is kind of looking down on him because it's just like you know you are like a naive child and yeah um and such and i'm looking for the scene where it is um but yeah it's a again it's a really uh um oh so she says she talks about i fought democracy for student council and they show her protesting um she she said did they take you in for questioning and uni says that's what they called it um i thought i'd been doing everything right i was just being a good student but it led to the worst 48 hours of my life and hyun says was it as violent as what as what happened to hoon and jihu and um she says and it's this it's really well drawn because it's a panel it's page what page it is the page numbers ran at 162 um, the panel is of her just kind of in profile, just staring a little bit of shadow on her face, just staring like lips very tight. And, and then the, the, then you have a panel with her fist. And then she says, when a woman, when it comes to women, they inflict, uh, and the next panel is just the open window with the wind blowing in the curtain, different kind of violence. And Hyun's look is just this shock. And she continues and she says, um, the kind that doesn't heal, the kind that you can't wear like a badge of honor, the kind I hope you never have to experience. And she says, I found I no longer understood the rules of the world I lived in. The book club was my way of finding answers. And to me, that's one of the most powerful moments of the book. Yeah. Um, because it's just so awful. I mean, like, you know, what she's describing, she's not even saying it out loud. And I think that's one of the best ways to write that scene, too, uh, because it allows it, it, it trusts the audience to do the to put the pieces together. And it's even more shocking, mm-hmm. you know, that that she she doesn't she's not explicit with the description. She's just like, we know what she's talking about. And it's drawn that way. Um, And it makes her like, again, it it creates a bond between those two characters that I thought was, was very well done. And you can see it's one of the last things that our main character 
has before she's like fully like you know turning around to a couple other people and saying hey you need to wake up so um and the book club being her way of finding answers um i guess i guess we, we could ask like what do you what do you make of that after you have any comments about what i was just talking all aspects of what do i make of that? yeah it's in general and then of her of her finding answers in the book club or her trying to yeah, well, I will. I'll agree that I also liked Uni the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I her illustration is compelling. I think it's <laughs> the Daria esque facial. It is very Daria. Has. Yes, <laughs> maybe that's why I like it so much because I love Daria. Yeah, I'm sure she delivers all of her zingers with no affect whatsoever. Um, and her eyebrows, I thought, were also very compelling. Mm-hmm. Um. So for our, are we talking about uni or what Hyun learned from the? Um, both. Okay. So if, because I, I mean, Hyun is our, our lead there. So I, a successful lead in my mind is someone who does have dynamic change. And I think we see that throughout the entire novel. So she certainly has taken a lot away from uh, this particular book club. I'm going back to your page 162. I would also agree that that's a very um, poignant and powerful scene. Um, it's, again, across the board, it, it's not just Korea, but it's kind of everywhere that, um, you know, women, there's like more of a threat of violence. I think, well, I hate to, I, oh, I hate like comparing traumas and things, but I just feel like there's a different layer of things that can be done to women mm-hmm. that might not necessarily be uh, first thought of uh, to be done to men. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when she is talking about that, um, I thought that that was pretty powerful. But the fact that she, I think it speaks to her character also. And, and I, I want to be careful here because, um, you know, people react to traumas in different ways. And so yes. I don't want to say that one way is better than another way, but I do think it 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 points to how strong um, and how much of a believer in this cause uni is because instead of potentially shrieking, shrinking inwards or finding some other avenue or, or being very careful and, and hopefully not encountering this again, she keeps on pushing because that's how much she believes in the cause. And so I think we get a, a good sense of who uni is. And we see that dotted throughout because you are right that she is the one who really pushes Hune and and calls her naive and like you need to wake up basically yeah but you don't know like you don't know what what these characters like why do they have skin in the game what is the skin Mm -hmm. that they have in the game things like that um and and you have this whole spectrum of identities because the poet is like very you know he's so sweet he's the one mm-hmm. who wanted to cuddle and <laughs> didn't yeah. get into the cuddle boat. um and then but then he takes on you know this aspect because he doesn't give anybody up and he is beaten to a pulp and brought to and he's in prison too you yes know? yeah for a significant amount of time yeah and so you wonder like oh th- these are just despair characters why did they you know what are their motivations and everything and yes they're all tied together looking for freedom but i think they each have their own backstories as well and so this is a way to to show what that is and i think the authors 
obviously, you know, these events were actually happening. So this might have been the time that uh, Uni actually confessed this. But I think it is interesting that it's saved towards the near end of the book um, Mm -hmm. to have that almost one on one. But I think it makes sense because Hune, she was there, I would say, but she wasn't really like intimately a part of the group for a while until I think she started, you know, making um, actually like being active in there. And so I think probably uni needed to, to trust her. And, and there was just this one moment that they could have together. Yeah. Which, which I think it wouldn't come. I don't think it would make sense to come. It wouldn't make sense to talk to someone you just met at the beginning, the middle, there was, she, uh, Hune was still figuring herself out. So I think this is like the perfect spot to put it at the end or the near end. Yeah, and and I will say the catalyst for her telling the story is that Uni comes to see her and has a bunch of her stuff, and it's all the subversive materials. Like she held on to it for she said, Are you be carrying these all this time? She said, Yeah, I never got the chance to give them back to you. And she thanks her. And then she tells her the story, saying, like, if you're gonna stay involved, I want you to know. And it is, it's like it, it's a vulnerable moment. Um, and then another thing about her character is the scene with the, the kid trapped in the locker. Um, with like 175, oh, 176, yeah. because they find the mole and and a bunch of now it's not our book club kids, it's a bunch of other kids, but they know they know what he's done. They trap him in a locker. They want to beat him to death. And so Uni comes in, she says, I'll take care of him, go outside. And they're like, I want to take care of him. She's like, outside now. And they leave him behind. And she's just like, she punches the locker right near his head. She's like, I'm so angry at you right now. Did I report you when I caught you stealing or not? You like, you heard a lot of people. Um, and it's she she gives him lunch, food. Um, she says, uh, you know, in the past. Yeah. And she gives him some food to eat right then and there. And she just kind of talks to him about like what's actually going on and why he has now, what he has done for himself. Um, And she's like, I can't protect you from your fellow students, but what I can do is like, she basically gives him bus fares, like get out of here and go home to your parents for a while. Cause I think she sees a, scared vulnerable kid who made a really bad choice who hopefully can maybe showing this compassion will help change him for the better and i liked that that made her a three-dimensional character yeah in another way because she Mm -hmm. could have otherwise been the badass bitch yeah you know which she was the entire yeah like she seemed very cold and standoffish Mm -hmm. yeah um, and, and so I, I feel like we all have friends that are, they seem very cold, but you know, like deep down there, you know, they care for you and everything. So you like get along really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that was her, but here was like an outward display of that compassion. And I don't know what like the religious, um, breakdown is in Korea at that time or either. now, no. but like, that was like a very like Christian scene right there. Cause <laughs> she's like, you, you betrayed me. Um, and, you know, I've I've only helped you. I'm not going to lead you to the masses. I'm going to help you out, out there. But also, she did give him a warning. Didn't she say, like, if I ever see you again? Yeah, like, Was this it? is your one chance. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, no, yeah. that was very interesting. 
Yeah. And then we have Sunni. Especially because he kind of led, didn't his actions kind of lead to the poet getting messed up? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, gosh, he had a lot of incentive to have him uh, mobbed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have we have uh, Gundo, who is this kind of, he's the one who starts the protest. He's like standing in the middle of the campus. He's the only one with the free G who sign, and they eventually all join him and everything. And um, he has this great scene at the beginning of the first, the meeting that gets broken up by the cops where they're looking for subversive material. And like the most popular movie in South Korea at that point, or one of the most popular movies is a movie about Lady Godiva because they talk about the movie about the naked woman I, on the horse. Yeah. And so they're like, what is this? Like Agent OK is in there. He's in goodness. He's like, what is this? And he puts it in the VCR. And it's, it's that movie. And at one point he's like, you can't even see anything really anyway. And it's a funny little moment, but like, it's one of those little things of like all the different ways they can evade capture and, and not sell their friends out and not get in trouble the kind of the intelligence of these characters and, and I, I like him. He doesn't have a ton of a uh, ton of moments compared to the others. And what I liked about Suni as a character um, is two things. I liked how, I mean, I don't like the fact that her parents kicked her out, but I liked that they showed that side of it mm-hmm. um, because, you know, Hyun's parents are very accepting about what she's doing or they're very understanding or they accept it. And they're, you know, it, it is a very positive moment but not a lot of parents would be like that. And they would act like Sunnis who basically um, the place gets searched. They figure out what she's been doing. And they're like, I have there. They basically disown her. She can't go home because Hyun goes to see her. And she's like, Sunni doesn't live here. And she's like, what's going on? And, um, you know, that's another thing that would often happen to people in movements where um, it might not be that they disagree with her. For all you know, they did agree with her. But yeah. They don't want her. They don't want that brought upon them. They don't want to rock the boat. They think you should stay quiet and whatever. And now you've been, you've you've made me ashamed of you. And I think that was very. That's another just very important moment to show the risks that you are taking by protesting the government. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then she, then she has one of my entire favorite panels in the book. Um, I'm looking for it. Uh, page. Oh God, it's like 170, 174, where uh, agent a cop. I think it's Agent OK, but a cop has Hoon, and she jumps down, punches him. The cop tries. He she's like run Hoon. The cop tries to grab her. At the bottom right hand panel is her. Yeah kick and the guys flying into the background yeah i love that panel i it's mean so that's great. her hobby so yes. she's got to be good at it yeah <laughs> so that's such a badass moment i just yeah. loved it um i will say that i pegged her as a lesbian mm. um not to be cliche that she's reading the feminine mystique, mystique, especially yeah. since uh betty for dan actually called lesbians the Purple menace and thought that they were no good for feminism. Hmm. But in general, yes. Uh, but then I was shocked that she and Uni were together, and I assume that they're together at the end. Mm. What do you um what what aspects of feminism are we seeing in this book? Because oh. there is talk about what the girls are doing 
women, young women are doing as opposed to young men and how they get treated. And so we brought a little bit of it up with Yumi's story, but yeah, I'm not sure that I necessarily zeroed in too much on that. Do you remember details? Also, it's been a while since I've I've read I, this, to be honest, so I've I, forgotten. But yeah, I, I know the scene where they're making the Molotov cocktails. Oh, true. Um, true. That there are certain s. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like why do they have to do that sort of thing? They are kind of relegated to certain roles. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's anti. I mean, it's not like they're pushing back and saying the guy should be doing this. This is the event preparation we have to do. Yep, women's work. Yeah, and, and on ninety, it's whoever this blonde person is carrying the the cocktail stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the boys plan the events and then expect us to prepare everything. Mm-hmm. So is there? So I don't that well. So maybe I was right in that I didn't see any. Uh, did you see any? I think it's. Um... I think it's a little bit of feminist critique of protest movements okay. pointing out some of the inequities, uh, pointing out how, and, and we see this very often in, in protest movements where the men tend to get put into the spotlight or, you know, the, a lot of time it's, it's been happening less and less in recent years where we're more, we're more young, we're more women, um, or uh, non-binary people, et cetera, um, are getting the spotlight, are getting the credit that in the past they wouldn't have. Um, and we have to, we have a tendency, at least in our society, when we think of protests, certain protest movements, it's very male forward. Yeah. I mean, even with like Stonewall and the, mm-hmm. the beginning of um, queer activism, it was so like white, gay yeah male oriented like the women you know they kind of had like small pockets and stuff but there was Mm -hmm. just like not unity they it was more yeah Yeah. so there's definitely some similarities there so maybe i mean maybe our reader of of for dan is more like Mm -hmm. um (laughs) for her own personal edification yeah and how she can uh carry that forward but it seems like maybe at the end it gets better because she was um wasn't it her or was it uni that was like involved? Oh, I guess uni was a teacher. Uni's running for student. No, Hyun yeah. is a teacher. Uni's running for city city council. Oh, okay. There you go. And, yeah. um, and, uh, Suji organized the annual Indian pride parade. Yeah. So, so I guess as yeah. with everything, it takes time. And so it wasn't mm-hmm. going to happen when they were in university, but it happened later. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I'm actually glad you brought up Stonewall because one of the people who's at the forefront of the of starting the uprising of Stonewall was a trans uh black trans woman that I I think only until in recent years has really gotten the recognition that she deserves for it. But then again, Stonewall is an event his it's been there for obviously for 50 plus years. Uh it's only I think it's gotten a lot more and rightfully so spotlight in uh in the last few years of like this is way more significant of an event than you know we were giving you credit for or at least in mainstream in our mainstream conversation you know um certain people will tell you or certain circles of people will tell you like well you should have always known about this but like you know how many 
people in America who are not um, adjacent to or part of or intersect with the queer community know a lot about queer, like the history of the LGBTQ plus rights movement, right? You know, um, they might know bits and pieces in the same way they know bits and pieces of the civil rights movement. But, you know, so there is always that opportunity. There's always that opportunity or that thing that happens where certain people who are not of these cis had white male or cis had male persuasion um, get erased. Uh, so and that was so, um, you know, you're you're wondering if that would have happened here. But they, the women in the story seem to stand strong. Um, the act of reading Betty Frieden, Frieden is um, in itself a protest piece, you know? Yeah, for sure. So. I would agree. Yeah. Um, it was and all the we, rage in America. It is all the rage in America. Um, then you have Agent OK, <laughs> who is horrible. And yet there's that one little scene where like he talks to his daughter and he's like, oh, daddy has is, is catching the bad guys. That was that made him even worse. Because it, I I know it shows that he's more than just like you know the evil evil cop, but you know add the fact that he is a family man and stuff to it. It just makes it even for me. It makes it more smarmy and it makes it just even like even worse that you're you're doing this to a to a person, um, and then you're like a loving father, uh, which again we see that in men who have done that to people over time we see that in we we actually see that in nazi germany you know you hear stories of there was people who were who were working in concentration camps yet the private life was that he was a he was a father right and things like that you see that in uh, this country with people who uh police officers who are brutal toward young black men or whomever and yet it's always he's a family man and things like that so i thought i thought that was very interesting too yeah yeah i'm gonna say something very controversial are you ready sure i <laughs> i would say that this guy is worse for it because he doesn't even necessarily fully believe in the cause he's just trying to get out of the university yeah Whereas at least someone who like really believes in the cause, you can like have empathy for them because you're like, well, he might be wrongheaded, but you know, like he was, you know, he was programmed and, and all of that. But this guy is just like beating people up because he's trying to get away from everything. So I felt like he was worse. Yeah, I agree. And then, um, you know, his... here first, Tom, yeah. reading my controversial comment. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> But I'm like, I'm with you. I love the scene in the diner where she just flusters him to the point where he's like, all yes. right, I, I know. <laughs> it's brilliant on her part, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I love how brilliant that is. And I love how she leans into the, uh, you know, oh, girls and their boy problems type of various. She plays, she plays the hand of the stereotypical girl, right? And and oh, she's frazzled and she's stressed and everything to the point where, uh, 
you know, where it works in her favor. It's, it's a really good, uh, it's really smart on her. And he, I think he, I want to say he gets, he gets beat up in that protest. I hope he gets what's coming to him. So, (laughs) um, okay. Um, sorry. I'm just looking to see what we've talked about and what we haven't. Um, I have the snarky question of does this prove that literature is liberal indoctrination? I saw that, which is right because I was like, why did I was being... this? Does he agree with this? Well, it's interesting because then I looked up, I didn't have time to read the article, but I was yeah. like looking up this because I suppose it is a refrain that we hear a lot, and it's something that you could say that, but I think it's so subjective. Mm-hmm. Because you know what is the quote unquote liberal agenda? You know what is the gay agenda? All of that business, uh, and you don't really know. I mean, if you're on that side, then you're like, there is no agenda. Like it's not going to bother you. Like this book does not bother you or me. We actually really like it. We can learn from it. We see um, scarily some some ties and relevance and things like that. But if you're on the other side, then of course, you know, it seems like there's some sort of agenda, but I think it's more when we read books like this, I think it's giving us another perspective and it's Mm -hmm. a learning tool, um, which is, I think something that, that we all need to do, but I have, um, I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of, you know, we encourage people to, read thinkers that are different than you. And so this is great for a racist to read something by Ibram X. Kendi. But Mm I do wonder, like, on the flip side, not to say that you or I are perfect, but if you're, like, on our side, does that mean that we need to also read, like, racist manifestos to better understand the other one? So I do wonder about that. Like, what do you, if we need to understand the other side, but then I don't want to be filling my brain with that. That's a good, no, it's a good question. Um, Yeah, because isn't that what we're telling the other people? Because I think when we tell the other people to do that, we are taking, um, we're we're saying we're on a higher level than you because you need to Mm -hmm. like step up and read what we're reading. We're saying we're better than you. Um, And I do, yeah. So I'm conflicted with that. Again, I don't want to read a racist manifesto, but I'm just like, do I need to read an anti-feminist or like, you know, someone who's who's got some ideas about women um, to better understand what's going on. But all that to say, that's some, that's a thinker for you guys, but what to do with that, um, that I think liberal agenda, I think that's a negative connotation. I think yeah, it's more well, derogatory. Obviously. And it's more, I think if you, you um, step back, it's really, um, it's a different perspective. Yeah. So I, I think reading, about people or about a time period or themes or ideals that are different than what you are currently experiencing or believe in. And I think overall, again, going back to the other question, overall, that is something that is good for us. Um, and we need to do that to grow as human beings. Yeah. It's like, what should we read? Cause I'm in, in my own experience, just in my life where, um, I don't want to have empathy or compassion for racists, right? Yeah. But there is a certain level of understanding how they're thinking, um, especially the ones that are not like, you know, the especially the ones who are not your KKK 
flag like you know you kind of, they put that out front i'm talking about the people who are a step below that who are they just kind of the average american type of people and like understanding their thought process in some way yeah. when they say things that are um either casually racist or bigoted or whatever whether it be race gender sexuality you know, misogyny and stuff um I can look back through my upbringing and see those examples. So like, I think a lot of us, um, and I apologize for speaking for every cisgender heterosexual white male in America. (laughs) I think a lot of us who are like me, um, don't necessarily need to read these things because we grew up around some of it or some of us, you know, if you had talked to me when I was much younger, I might have, I certainly was not, I certainly growing up in, in a household in a community that tended to be a lot more, you know, conservative in that regard, probably had some of those beliefs myself. So, so you're pulling from your experience because it's like, it's, it's realizing your own, you know, your own background, your own culture, your own racism and, and things like that. So I think you're pulling from a lot of that. So you don't necessarily have to go read some of it. Um, sometimes I think you do for historical sake. I mean, I'm not saying go out and read Mein Kampf, but if you are studying the Holocaust, maybe it's it's good to understand what's in there, where this comes from. If you're if you're a scholar of that, um, it, you know, it would be you brought up um, stamped earlier. Uh, it would that would be an interesting question to ask Doctor Kennedy, like you know we we would love for people who who need to um understand a little more who need to be woken up a little more who need to see what we mean when you say when you say anti-racist when you see you know compassion for you know or understanding or or, or love for your fellow person who it might be um you know understanding what the struggle of lgbt queer people is etc yeah. read this it yeah. might be eye-opening what do we do for the other what you know i don't think it's a it's not an equivalent there's not a balance in the way that it is like you know it's not one for one but what what could we be doing or what should we be doing you know other than i mean it might be safe to read good reporting on it you know solid information good reporting on what people are saying in just by reading the news and things like that yeah. that might help but like yeah like i don't want to read ann coulter right yeah <laughs> or jordan guess- peterson or charlie Kirk. i don't want to read these people and and yeah. you're asking like should we be how familiar should we be getting them because i really don't want with them because i want to read them but i almost understand you have to understand your the other side. Your adversary, yeah, your player sure. on the other side. And, and I think question. if we're reading good, quote unquote, um, literature, true stories, memoirs, things like that, historical mm-hmm. things, I think inherently within that, you're going to see the negative side. So we yes. have both re- read Sam from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And the only way to show, I guess, the, the development of anti-racism was also to show 
the inception of racism, yeah, the history of it. Yeah. And everything. And so you do in a way, see the other side, like, yeah. Oh, what's about the, the curse with ham and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the biblical arguments of racism and all of this other stuff. So it's almost like already threaded in there. And that might yeah. be all that we need to do is in order to be the, the more virtuous, I guess, of, of the two, you, you will see the history of it. Yeah, it's true. And I would recommend Stamped from the beginning. I recommend Stamped as well. I like that. I really like the 1619 project. Yeah. I, I thought also, that yes. was very well done. I will say yeah. on my part, a caveat with Stamped is that I didn't like the tone of mm. it. And I understand why it is the way it is because it is geared towards young adults. Yes. Uh, but at times it felt Jason Reynolds' presentation of things felt flippant. Okay. And I know that was his intent. Yeah. I know that wasn't his intent, but I was just like, man, there's not as much gravity to this as I would mm-hmm. like there to be. And I like said this in, in the class. And I even said, like, you know, I prefer to be like slapped in the face with like this is stuff that you know you might be doing or thinking and it's wrong like i would prefer to do that rather Mm -hmm. than just like joking around but again i understand why and i also know that wasn't the intent um so i think it's like your mileage may vary depending on what you are looking for yeah stamp from the beginning goes on the shelf uh, next to a book that i recommend that everybody read which is howard zinn's of people's history of the united states but now we're getting off on a tangent here yeah what's happened Um, yeah uh (laughs) but bringing it back this is actually interesting with history and stuff um this is the good korea right there's north korea south korea korea yeah i was like this is the good these are the good good guys yes yeah and i had up until this point I had never thought of this. I never knew anything about this. Um, I'm not shocked that the United States backed a slightly dictatorial regime against its northern neighbor, neighbor, communist neighbor in Asia. Um, you know, <laughs> if you've studied the Vietnam War, South Vietnam's regime was not exactly democratic, but they were anti-communist. Um, so it's not the first time this is, and, and, you know, the United States has propped up dictatorships all over the globe because they were, you know, allies and they were against the Soviets. So that's not surprising to me. I was just like, again, my perception of South Korea was mainly through, it was mainly through entertainment actually. Right. Um, and watching the Olympics and things like that. And and then knowing history of Korean war. And that's like, okay, these are the good guys. And North Korea is the bad guys, the axis of evil. Right. So it's interesting. It was interesting to me to see this part of Korean history that I knew nothing about and seeing that um, the government there was just as bad as some of the yeah. others that we've seen. And I thought that was really valuable. And I think it's really valuable for teenagers to read too. Um, because I think their impressions of, of South Korea are like BTS and K dramas oh, and things like that. It's, it's yeah, all yeah, entertainment yeah. and it's, which is fine. Like Classic we all of you know, but we, we, but you aren't seeing the nuance. You aren't seeing the complexities in society in the same way that people look at countries like Japan or other countries through their entertainment lens. And it's, you're not getting the full culture. You're just getting what's, you know, 
you're getting one part of it and that's not the whole culture. So I think, I think that's what makes this a valuable book too. I have a question for you. Mm. If you were to give this to a student uh, to recommend it, would you just give it to them or would you um, at, uh, sort of encourage them to inquire about uh, Korea at this time before doing it or talk to them a bit about Korea at the time? What would you do? Have them go in blind, basically, or have them go in with background knowledge? Um, I would say... If I saw a student and they're like, you know, would you recommend this? I'd say, yeah. And I, I, t- I think I give them a little bit of back, a little bit like this is what it's about a little bit. And I'd say what's really interesting. I would say just give a little bit of info. Like you're going to find out that like the South Korean government um, over the years has been at one point or another dictatorial overthrown by, you know, like in a way that we don't expect in this from what we know of South Korea in this country. Yeah. Um, and the current government is not like that as far as we know, but there are thir- certain things that you know, it's just, I said, it'll be a real education on what you, what you, what you will learn about the history, this very complex history of this country versus what we always perceive by what's presented to us, because we, you know, we like our heroes and villains and history and things like that. So, you know, I don't think your average teenager knows the Korean war anyway. Yeah. So um, I don't mean to sound flippant toward teenagers. I just don't think it's something that they, they know a lot about. So, um, yeah, I so I would probably, I don't think I'd lecture them for hours on end, but I'd probably give them a little bit of a, a little bit of historical context and tell them like, you know, this is, this is what this is about. And it's, it's a really, a uh, really good book. So what about you? I think with this one, there's enough background that they can kind of jump in mm-hmm. and understand what's going on as the story develops and as as they are told so i think it it works out and hopefully yeah. it would whet their appetites enough to see um what was or yeah what happened on the in-between and, and things like yeah. that so i think this graphic novel lends itself well for giving all the information that a student would need yes it's told in a very straightforward manner um the message is not subtle and i think that's one of its strengths um so yeah i do agree with you uh yeah so um yeah so i think we have hit the point where i've asked everything except for one question (gasps) is this required reading i think it is i think it is especially because it is not of a place in a time period that is spoken of often and so because i was ignorant of it and not to say that I know everything, but be- I, I think that just proves that, hey, the average everyday reader might not know what was going down in Korea in the 80s. And so I think that that would be I, that's why I think it's required reading, obviously, mm-hmm. is to to fight, fight ignorance, <laughs> build knowledge. I agree. Um, and and the presentation through the graphic novel medium, I think, is excellent. And you are getting something. <laughs> yeah. Well, the sim- you know, comics don't comics aren't all simple, right? But there is a simplicity here that lends itself to getting that message and being able to absorb that message. Yeah. Um, in a way that 200 pages of a memoir might not hit. So I, I really think it is required reading as well. So uh, I know we're getting some feedback on our last episode, but I'm going to save that for next episode because 
a call me by your name like dropped as of this recording yesterday or the day before. So um so we'll talk call me by your name the feedback from the episode uh in here but I think you had written this in find me by Andre Asman. Yes. So I know you were, and then also internal homophobia. Internal so why don't homophobia. you lead us here? Why don't you why don't you bring that up as a follow up because I know you yeah. read find me um and uh yeah yes. so let's 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 I'll- wrap yeah, I'll first say because I I wanted to I wanted to say I wanted to apologize to the audience because I feel like I didn't do a good job the last episode. Just felt like a flat episode, and as leader, I take responsibility for that. Maybe it wasn't the best book to have chosen. And after I read Find Me, I'm like, oh man, I we could have had a much better discussion on this, but I would have had to have required you to read two different novels <laughs> just to talk about the second. I do actually recommend Find Me. Mm-hmm. It is broken up, so it's the father's perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of recently, after, I mean, Elio isn't very much older. Maybe he's like 19 or 21. Uh, and his father meets a younger woman. And then you have Elio, and he has another kind of passing relationship that's like very powerful with an older man. And then you have Oliver, and then there's like a another small segment where it's like an epilogue where Oliver and Elio are together. So you get to see multiple perspectives. Uh, and because Elio is older, I think Tom would probably tolerate his narration a bit more because it's not <laughs> as uh, <laughs> pretentious or pompous or, yeah. or any of the P words. But it's also like there are a lot of themes of kind of fathers and sons that run throughout it. That was really interesting. Um, So I do actually recommend that. Um, I feel like I might have liked it maybe a bit more than Call Me By Your Name. But again, you need that background. Um, And then, oh, yeah, the internal. (laughs) As I was editing that episode and we were talking about um, that one question, which, you know, continues to boggle the mind of like, why did Elio feel such guilt and shame after having sex with Oliver and then and not with Marzia? And we we're like, Dan- wait, you know, is it just the gender thing? I'm like, why didn't I just say like, this is the easiest answer that it probably was to a certain extent, some aspect of internal homophobia. Because yeah, you're kind of neither like, of us said that, did we? I don't think we did, but I think like that's the easiest way is that even though like he's very open to his sexuality and admits to it, I think there still is. And this is true of like many people, period, but all, you know, people coming out and everything that you might kind of accept it. But still, when you are faced with it, um, you've you've just been like trained or, or brainwashed to a certain extent that these things are, quote unquote, wrong. And so I think that that's something that obvious that honestly probably really affected him in that moment so i don't know why i was dancing around trying to make it all complicated when that's probably the simplest answer yeah i i maybe we just missed that for some reason but it makes a lot more sense to me now and you're right because so many of us grew up in a space that if it wasn't externalized at us or preached at us, homophobia, um, some of us picked it up, you know? Uh, and again, like I just look back at my own upbringing, my own, the way I was behaving as a teenager and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it's, I look at that, that kid, not Ilya, but myself. And I'm just like, it's, there's a bit of shame of the way I, you know, acting, but it's hard. It takes a long time to, um, deprogram. 
you know, there's, it's still like the, even, even older and middle age, there are vestiges of it that still pop up every once in a while. And I have to remind myself, like, not to make it all about me, but like, just to the example of like how much it lingers throughout so much of your life. And because the societal norm, especially this is what 19, it took place in the eighties, right? Yes. So in the eighties, it's, um, you have an enormous amount of phobia, homophobia in society, even in a more progressive review like that. He's, he's been, he has been in some way because the society conditioned to believe that's shameful. Um, even if he doesn't think, you know, he, to have that inner, um, that dissonance, right. Um, because the eighties was not a very, it was, I mean, being homosexual in the eighties was, if you were not dealing with homophobia, if you were not dealing with, um, the possibility of somebody beating you to death or something for, for who you were, you were also, um, there was also AIDS. There was other things. Yeah. And yeah, I know AIDS didn't just affect homosexuals, you know, but no, in the early eighties, it ravaged that community. Right. Right. So, so that's the other thing, like, you know, the shame of, you know, that, that sort of thing too. So um, yeah. So I, I think that's a really good point. And it really speaks to how ingrained this is in our society. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that, you know, in Italy in the 80s, that's what's going on. And then in Korea in the 80s, this is going on. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's just like yeah. th- that's like first world problems right there. It is it's like Elio's trying to figure out if a guy likes him and these people are trying to survive. I know. exactly. Get freedom. Yeah. Oh, so. All right. Yeah. So band book band book club is available in various places. Um, order it through your local comic store support them um but we must move on we are coming to the end of the episode so i need to know from stella what we're reading for october i know after a long while of me picking the october book oh my god you get the october book i'm very happy because tom is a corrupt young man and he has coveted all of these holidays for himself for the past several seasons and finally coveted or commandeered (laughs) it's hard to say one of the c words um and so finally stella's getting her day well here on required reading we have made it a point to talk about menstruation and so what better book to read for a spooky month that also deals with menstruation then and also religious themes, which should be great. Uh, it, Carrie by Stephen King. Yes. <laughs> it could be a disaster. No, we're doing Carrie. Yes. All right. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Nice. And then I'm gonna go watch the De Palma film just to see Sissy Spacek lose her mind at the. Prom. I've never <laughs> seen it, so this will be a good reason to do it after I read the book. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm looking because I know that that is. I've heard that it's a good film and and a great performance. It is. um, I, 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 we, we, if you want during that episode, at some point we could have a side conversation about the De Palma film because there's been two or three versions of Carrie. I know there was one with, um, there's like a TV movie version. Uh, There's a really crappy sequel. um, Oh, I've seen uh, that. The Rage Carrie too. Yeah. Um, And then (laughs) there is a new version from a few years ago with, Chloe Grace Moretz. Oh, that's right. Yep. And then there's the musical. 
Oh, <laughs> carry the music. Yeah, that has which like they a, did on Riverdale. <laughs> yes, they have a that has an interesting history. Yeah. So, but no, that that'll be cool. That that'll be the third Stephen King book, I believe. Have they all been? We did the Green Mile. We did then, Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Did Carrie? So, all right, awesome, okay. awesome. So, come back next month for that. And until then, uh, thank you very much for listening and take care. And try not to betray anybody. Mm -hmm. Especially in the no-hugging boat. Oh, the no-hugging boat! Good night. Thanks for listening to Required Reading with Tom and Stella, which is brought to you by two true. If you're interested in learning more about the books we've read or want to comment on the episode, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash required reading with Tom and Stella. If you would like to email us to comment on the episode or continue our discussion, you can reach us at requiredreadingcast at gmail.com. We will read every email we get on future episodes. We're looking for more visibility, so if you liked this episode or the show in general, why not leave us a review on iTunes? Thanks again for listening, and come back next month for our next episode.